The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. My guest today may have created her dream job, melding her love of sports and music into one role. But no one ever said that being on TV would be easy. I remember interviewing a Canadian artist. She was kind of known for like girl power, women empowerment, all this other stuff. And when we sat down for the interview, she looks over to me and she's like, I want to get you a sandwich. You need a sandwich. That was for me a learning experience that it doesn't matter who anybody is. They don't have any right to treat anybody like garbage. And if they do, they don't deserve the time. Go to somebody else. It's, there's like for my job. There's always somebody right behind you. My guest today is the national sports and music reporter for City News, Lindsay Dunn. Welcome to the Women in Media podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, I mean, my first question for you is how do you land the dream of somehow combining your two favorite things, sports and music, in the same reporting position? I honestly have no idea still. I've only been asked this recently because I didn't like actually put it together that this is happening. This is my dream because a lot of people don't know. I'm originally from Regina, Saskatchewan, so I never, ever thought I'd live in Toronto and be doing this. But um, there's a whole bunch of backstory. Like I worked at a radio station in Regina and then I worked at CTV and then I came up to Toronto and I worked at like TSN, Global, all these other things and blah, 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 blah. Eventually I got a job at City News and... I was a producer briefly there and I was like, hey, you guys used to be the company that had much music. Like they started it back in the day. It's like, you don't have any music content and I've been reporting on music forever. Like, can I do this? And then my wonderful friend, Danielle Michaud, who now works at Sportsnet, I was her sports producer at the time. So I was producing and I was like, this is awesome. And then they let me do music. And then when she left to Sportsnet, uh, there was an opening for sports. They're like, well, we would love for you to do them both. I'm like, what? Is this real life? Like, um, okay. And then since then, it's just been this wild ride of covering all these amazing local or national or international sports stars or music stars and then putting it together. And it's, but it was a lot of work over the last 15 years. I worked for free everywhere. I did radio shows or podcasts or wrote for free and anything I could to get my foot in the door. But that's long story short and how this job happened. Also, what's really interesting, I think, about your story, at least from like, you know, what I've read in your quick bio is that, you know, you're you're covering stuff on the BBC from Canada all the time, too. So how did the overseas part of all of this come together? I'll be honest, like, I love my job. I do think I'm the luckiest person in the world. Like, it's a lot of hard work. But the BBC thing is something I pinched myself every morning. It's really random how it happened. I was in New York on a trip with a friend and it happened to be when the Raptors were in like their first kind of conference finals. It was wild. And they heard me on ESPN radio in the States who just happened to, they found me on Twitter. So then somebody from BBC contacted me and being like, hey, would you be willing to do this? I went on for some reason they liked me, don't know why. And then ever since then for like six years, They've had me on like almost weekly to not only talk NBA, I talk WNBA and they highlight that more pretty much than I know in a lot of North American cities that have a flipping WNBA team, but I love it. They have fun. They love to talk about sports because the NBA and like basketball in general has really grown over in there in like the last couple of years. And I love it so much, but it's, it's wild to think a kid from Saskatchewan 
is one of their correspondents to talk about NBA and WNBA. Like for me, I'm like, this doesn't make sense, but I'll take it. <laughs> no, I love this. You're, you're literally everywhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you find that like, there's something that's always been in the back of your mind as like, you know, you, you mentioned that you did so much work for free. You mentioned that you've sort of said yes to so many things over the years. What do you think it is like in a quality of like a reporter, a journalist that, brings up these great opportunities that you may just need to be in the right place at the right time for. What are, what are those other fundamentals that carry you through? Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know that. I'm like, that is a really interesting question. I've never been asked before. I know that I am like annoying with my work when it comes to my husband. So I love working so much. I have a true passion for this job. So sometimes I didn't mind working for free, but it's the experience and the conversation and trying to have those stories come out of people that I've always loved since I was little And I know, I think sometimes it helps me get those opportunities because I feel like my heart is in the right place and hasn't went sour or bitter from this industry that sometimes can be quite harsh, that that work ethic is still there. And I like to have fun when it comes to sports and entertainment, where a lot of people take it way too serious for what it is. And I think sometimes that will bring up different opportunities where some people may not get them quite yet because they think it's like we're saving the world, but really it's just sports and entertainment. I do want to ask you about the guest list, you know, some of the names mentioned of of who you've interviewed. What do you think it is that like makes the Drake interview or the Keith Richards interview? Oh, like how how do you humanize someone as big as Keith Richards or Drake? Like, well, Drake to me, like I'm not super. The only Drake music I know is when it's at the rappers game. So I'm like, I'm not down with every Drake track so there I understand he's a worldwide sensation but I didn't idolize him or don't idolize him like so many people do so just like hey this is another person that's talented this is what happens but Keith Richards has like impacted so much of my life and my husband's life that my husband was there he was my camera operator when I met Keith Richards and my husband was flipping out he was so nervous And I think that made me calm to realize like this bozo over here is sweating so much, doesn't know what he's going to do. And I was like, this is Keith Richards. Then in the day, he's a grandpa. He is a father, like a husband. He's just like all of the great things that he's done for music. Then in the day, he's also a human that puts their pants on one leg at a time. And I like with it being Keith Richards, if like, you know him, he's just an interesting person to interview and when you hear him talk so you knew it just was going to be fun so it was very calm when I went in to interview him but Dolly Parton I was sweating buckets I was terrified to interview her and Barry Gibb because like this is Dolly this is Barry everything they've done like but then sometimes they're just wonderful people so then it makes them like hey we all really are the same they have millions of more dollars than I have and will ever have but (laughs) hey we're all just human. And I think that's what you have to remember. And I think a lot of people forget. I'm sure you have a routine for prep um, at this point in your career. And, you know, I hear a lot of myself with interviews and some of what you're saying, but you know, there are certain things that I like doing every time for prep. Is there something on, on your prep list that has to be done or you don't feel quite ready to go? One thing I will never understand, and this is the one thing I'll have to do when it comes to a music interview. I have to hear the song. I have to hear the entire album. I love reading the liner notes. I want to know who was part of this track from the production to every little detail. And if I don't get that, I actually feel very nervous and underprepared, which sometimes the artists don't write anything that have anything to do with that song except for sing it, which is a talent in itself. But 
I have to, so I don't care if this means like hours and hours of prep, but I do not want to do the interview and I won't do the interview. If I can't listen to their album, so what's the point? You're not knowing what you're talking about. You can't connect to the song or try to figure out why they chose to play an instrument this way. I have to listen to the album. And I know that sounds crazy. Maybe when people listen, they're like, oh, you would think, why wouldn't you listen to it? The amount of people that don't listen to someone's music before they interview them is a lot. And they can tell, oh, yeah. but I, I, I want to know what it sounds like, what they were feeling and try to connect to the song. And other than that, like I can't do the interview, but I love hours and hours of prep. Sometimes I don't come up with great questions, but I just want to know it. But I don't like going on social media to read about people at all. And I won't watch other interviews. Give me um, an example of when that has come in really handy and had an artist like really open their heart to you and, and share something special. Uh, recently is actually Harry Connick Jr. He cool. released an album and it had, um, I don't know, a more religious tone to it. And he took a different tone on Amazing Grace and even wrote his own kind of, I don't know, Christian. I don't want to say it because I don't actually know the uh, religious domination for it. But I listened to every kind of note and I listened to the album multiple times and I picked up on kind of instruments. It's like, what is this? I don't really ever record or he remember hearing someone use this before, or he sang this lyric. And so I made sure I wrote this down and I asked him and he stopped. He's like, you are the first person I think that has actually listened to the album. I'm like what? And he did like 30 interviews before me. And then he's like, why did that stick out? I'm like, and I actually could back up why I thought this worked. And then like the next question I said, I noticed you stopped kind of during this one verse and this instrument came on. I don't know what it is. And then he stopped. He's like, how did you pick this up? You're the only person that, and then he went off the zoom, grabbed the instrument and brought it in. He's like, I brought this and it's because this actually was my mom's and she played it this part and gave me this really detailed Lovely. connection story to it. And actually had, um, the PR person I was doing with give him my email address and actually wrote me a note after to say how grateful he was that I actually took the time to listen to the album, which then like, you know, like that's kind of heartbreaking because mm -hmm. an artist will put so much work usually into an album or a song. And a lot of people can't take the time for two minutes. Like I understand sometimes listening to 45 minutes is a lot, mm -hmm. but it's our job. It's literally our job to research it. But Harry Connick Jr. is the one that stands out the most is you could tell that he appreciated that there was effort, any effort at all put into the interview. Well, it also takes loads of experience to get to this point where you know that you're getting, you know, these moments, special moments uh, with people that you're interviewing. How about maybe a lesson learned from an early interview in your career, maybe back in Saskatchewan that didn't work out so well? Oh, I still have those moments. It happens. Some people, they'll look I at me too. and they just don't like me. Yeah, like they just don't like me. I'm like, well, that's your point. If the fact they don't like that, I'm happy. Um, but I remember interviewing a Canadian artist. I will not name her. That's okay. But she was kind of known for like girl power, women empowerment, all this other stuff. And I was like, great. Like, I want to showcase you to the world too. There might be the odd person that doesn't know you or maybe everybody knows you. I don't know. And when we sat down for the interview, she looks over to me and she's like, I want to get you a sandwich. You need a sandwich. And I remember just kind of being confused by the question, like maybe my stomach growled, but no, like when she read it, it's because she thought I was underweight or like whatever, just, it was not called for. And I still to this day don't understand what was their problem, but I let that completely consume me for the entire interview. And I aired that interview, like minus that part. I was like, I shouldn't have given somebody that had such hate in their heart any airtime. So it was 
literally millions of other people. But that was for me a learning experience that it doesn't matter who anybody is. They don't have any right to treat anybody like garbage. And if they do, they don't deserve the time. Go to somebody else. It's there's like for my job, there's always somebody right behind you. Mm -hmm. But that was a huge learning experience is like, it doesn't matter who anybody is. If they don't treat you or anybody like a human, they're not worth anybody else's time. Wow. I don't know what I would do in that situation, but yeah, that would, that would have taken me by surprise. And I don't know if I would have, yeah, it's almost like you don't know how to recover from, from something like that. When you think back to, you know, that story you just told me right now is the lesson learned there to bring everyone down to the same level playing field as you're talking to them, kind of the same as the, the Keith Richards. Yeah. Cause like it's there. If sometimes I will put somebody on a higher pedestal, if they are like this wonderful person that does amazing things for the community and they give back. But I mean that like they're doing such good in the world, but it's not like I'm going to go out of my way and go crazy over stuff, but everybody should be on the same playing field. If they think they're better than me. That's their choice to think that they're yeah. better than me. I do not think I'm better than anybody. Oh my goodness. No. Like, but at the end of the day, we really are, we're all from the same flipping planet. I, that was my lesson is like, just be nice to people. It is not that hard to be kind. And I don't, under, that's the hardest part I have in the world is I don't get why people are so hateful. So negative. Like if you don't like something, just move on and live your life the way that you choose to live it. But that was the thing. You're right though. It's like, everybody's on the same playing field. It doesn't matter if they have a million records, a billion dollars, just be nice. Yeah. That's like the least you can do in this business. Is and it's easy. very hard for people to do that. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced that multiple times as well in all areas of this field of lovely journalism. For sure. It's interesting too. I'm thinking to like, you know, uh, the, the posts like from Jonah Hill about body image. Oh, <laughs> so, so I mean, whether it's body image or, or just, you know, style fashion, um, have you, have you had anything? Uh, I mean, this was in, in the case you just told me it was like the person you were interviewing, but what about like viewership on TV? Like that, <laughs> that audience can be wonderful, but it can also ruthless. be ruthless. Yeah. How, how do you deal with, you know, negative comments, which every single person in our line of work mm-hmm. has to deal with the people hiding behind their screens. And it's even people in the industry that say we're coworkers with, or they're your boss. I'm not talking about my job right now, but previously just how critical they'll be of something you wear, or how you look or how your hair is. The amount of comments I get, like, I actually don't read mentions on social media. Mostly it's like, I don't care. I don't know why a lot of people care about what I'm doing, but for the most part, I don't like go on social media and scroll through stuff a long time because I find it a waste of my time. But I see sometimes somebody will send me a screenshot, be like, just so you know, this is on Instagram or whatever. And it'll be someone either or YouTube commenting about how my work should pay for me to get a boob job. I'm like, well, if they got a boob job, how would that improve my journalism? Like, how would that improve that interview in any way? or about my face or about my dress not being tight enough or my dress being too loose or why are you wearing dresses to cover basketball or hockey or whatever it is constant Mm -hmm. for like the 12 years I've been doing this all day and it's like it doesn't bother me like it's annoying it's like I know for a fact most men do not get this these Mm -hmm. comments about what they're choosing to wear but because of it, for like the first six, six years, six, seven years of my career, I only wore blazers and like pantsuits, which is not me. The odd time I'll wear it. But it's very like constricting. I hate pants in general. I'm lazy. You feel like you're like moving yeah. around like, oh my God, I'm a robot. 
and it's just uncomfortable whereas like yeah. a dress is the laziest thing you can wear and that is why I wear it and like I used to only wear high heels and now I wear just like I wear Converse or wear sneakers because it's comfortable and that is who I am and if they're upset by this when they watch this on tv or if they listen and they're annoyed over the fact that I will bring up an entertainment bit about the president of the Blue Jays, how he loves Chris Stapleton, switch the channel. There's worse things in life than to be so upset, but all the time. It is about every part of my body, anything I wear. And it took me years to not give a rat's A. I don't know if we can swear, but can don't the blame. a rat's ass about it because <laughs> it's it's my life. And if I'm not wearing something offensive and I'm I can do what I want and I can wear what I want. And if you don't like it, then man, you have a pretty good life. If that's your biggest issue is that a TV reporter is wearing a dress that you think is inappropriate to be wearing inside a hockey rink. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, wow. You, and I just think like a lot of them are just angry and it's usually, but sometimes they'll come up to you in person and just rip you a new one. Like, well, I hope that made you feel better. (laughs) Has has anything ever happened? Like, live during a shoot uh that you've i'm sure it has it's more about uh i guess you choosing one that you want to share but i remember uh during a live broadcast this is just like you know rock radio afternoon show uh when i was doing afternoons in london it was a patio broadcast once a week so at the bar you know there were certain promos people could come win enjoy some food with us whatever uh it was around the time that the in the pussy was going on Oh yeah. My coworker, Shauna. Yeah. That happened to her at TFC. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I couldn't believe like, I mean, it it ended up being a, a young guy, young jock who just thought it was very funny. Like a 20 year old kid who like screamed it into my microphone as I was live on the air. There was nothing I could do about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. How do you recover in a moment like that? It's happened a couple times. Like I hate to say, thankfully most of it's happened, not live. It shouldn't happen at all, but a couple of times people have yelled at or have actually been groped on air, like oh, in the crowd and all that stuff when it's just a rowdy event. And I remember one time I just, it just caught me so off guard that it's like, um, I apologize for anybody that heard or saw that. Uh, and then I just went on with it. And then I'm like, how, why, why did I go on? I should I, you're not letting it, but I would slap that person in the face on TV. <laughs> but it's happened a couple of times where I just like, said like I apologize to the viewers and I moved away and then went there and when I think about that now I'm like that's not okay that is not right because nobody however you identify should be assaulted or groped on their job whatever you do but it's happened and that's what how I recovered is I just kind of moved and pivoted live on air and just said like hey anyways this is what's happening let's focus on this and yeah, yeah they'll, you get lots of nice email like, oh, you handled it so well, or you should have punched them or what the heck's wrong with you. Yeah. But off air, when I wasn't live, I've been interviewing athletes sometimes. Mostly the biggest issue I have is people within the industry tend to be a little bit more vulgar and uninvited uh, with their comments. But I've had athletes where I've interviewed them in the past in the locker room that the camera will be on me, we're talking. And a lot of the times I am either the only girl or maybe one of two or three in the locker room. And they will come stand right beside me naked, having their tiny dingling by my face, trying to like phase me. And I will not look. And I just remember like it's happened before. And I've had friends that were in there when I'm trying to, and like, it's humiliating, but I, I don't say anything. I just remember like I focused on the interview and then I got up and left and all those times like it's changed quite a bit over the years, right. but that has happened more than a handful of times. I was like, what? 
Okay. So that's, you know, a little bit of the uh, BS that we sometimes have to deal with behind the scenes, but you know, on camera, you are so confident when you're interviewing and to be able to do that with like, say Kobe Bryant, the same way that you would with Keith Richards, like that's a skill that not everyone has. Um, I want to pivot to some of your sports coverage now because it is hard to be a woman in sports and, you know, you've spoken about some of the hardships. What about showcasing a story that you don't think you heard elsewhere? Because a lot of the time there's so much competition between networks and coverage. That is my favorite thing to do. And I know a lot of other reporters in this industry, they can't stand me. It doesn't bother me, but I know they can't stand me because I don't want to do the traditional interview like, oh, your three-pointer has been off. You've only made so much of this or how's your stick hand and go or your footwork on the pitch, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, everybody has that story. So I know like, what happened in your day that led you having this performance today? What music were you listening to or whatever happened or things that make them happy outside of the sport? Because that is a different story. And for the most part, they react so well to it because like, finally, I'm being asked a question that isn't about the sport, but it actually impacts the sport. I love getting those answers. Like the Mark Shapiro interview I talked about earlier with the Jays. He couldn't talk about like any of the trades that were happening. It, he would have got fined, all this other stuff. So really, it's like, well, there's not a lot we can talk about right now. So I just said like, tell me how your day started. He's like, oh, I got this new Chris Stapleton album. And then we went into this and how music impacts kind of how his process throughout his day and all that stuff. And I know nobody else had that. But of course, you get a lot of hate mail. because like, you sure didn't be doing sports. This is what girls can't do sports. I'm like, well, I guarantee nobody else would have had an interview because he just would have said no comment, no comment, no comment, which like, it's annoying. But yeah. it, I love it. And especially because covering sports and having like, I am the only, I'm the producer of their sports. Like I'm a one person band here. I get a pick showcasing female athletes all the time. Like there's a phenomenal cyclist out of Ontario named Ruby West and like her quest to go to the Olympics and knowing nobody else has that story and just that they get to share it. I don't even have to be on the TV for it. You know, it's a big moment for them and the goals they're trying to make. And if somehow you're a little blip in there, if that's the rewarding part, like, I don't care that I'm on TV. It's actually uncomfortable that people see my face because I hate brushing my hair and all that. But like getting to hear those stories and share them is the best part of this whole job. And it's why I went into it. And I really hope that doesn't go away. (laughs) It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep. Now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with Lion's Mane Mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Well, what was the moment that you knew you had to do this for a living? You know, if we go back to Regina. The moment I knew that this was an actual career wasn't until like I was grade 12. I didn't even know it was a possibility. My favorite sports writer, I used to like 
cut their uh, column out all the time with the local paper and all of that and look at it. I just never knew that was a job. And then when I met them, found out this was a career, and then they kind of guided me, like, you can go to school here, here, and here, and these are your paths. And then I went to school in University of Virginia, and what a lot of people don't know is I'm actually really shy. So the fact like you're a great interviewer because you're making me talk, but it takes a lot for me to like get warmed up to prepare to interview somebody because I just get really shy and nervous. I would not have guessed that at all. Yeah. So University of Virginia, I failed miserably because I, I was really shy and I didn't want to go out of my comfort zone and talk to people to do pieces for the local paper. So I went to school in Calgary where I didn't know a soul. And then you're forced to be pushed out of your comfort zone. And that really helped me. And that's what I was like, this is something I can go for. I don't care what it is I do in this industry. I started off as a board op at a radio station and I loved every moment of that. And then that's when I was like, I can do this. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to love every flipping moment of it. And I have, there's some days that really suck. There's some parts of this industry that are brutal that I wish didn't exist, but yeah, it wasn't until I was like grade 12. And then after college, I'm like, I really actually can do this magical job. Mm-hmm. What would you say that that was mentorship? Like the person that you were speaking about, like locally that sort of helped you look at schools and stuff. Oh yeah. Cause I, I had, I didn't even know really you could move out of Regina, Saskatchewan. <laughs> Anybody I knew stayed there. They never left there and they either worked for like the local government or something. And I just remember watching like the local TV stations or reading the paper and hearing people on the radio. Wow. That is it's really cool, but never knew it was a chance or an opportunity I could do. So if it wasn't for that mentorship, I don't know what I would be doing. So I'm going to tell you now, don't ask me what I would be doing because I have no idea. <laughs> so Regina to Calgary, you know, bit of a bigger city there, but then did it go Calgary to Toronto? No, it went. What was in between? Calgary, I finished school and immediately got hired at CTV Regina, where for like a week I worked in digital and then I was bam, doing sports. And then I was on their morning show when it launched for years. And then I went from Regina to Toronto and not having been in Toronto for like 14 years before that. So that was like really overwhelming and also fun because people were like, is Regina in Winnipeg or where is it? Like, oh my gosh, this is so upsetting. But I, I don't, I love it here. I don't regret anything because like, it's the only place there's an NBA team. There's an NBA G league team, but the concerts, everything. And it's just, it's been, it still is a culture shock. Cause when you go back to Regina and then you come back here, it's just. Well, that, I was going to say, what was your biggest culture shock when you finally arrived in Toronto? Like something you were just not expecting that impacted your job. So, if, well, if anybody's been to Toronto or Caravan is on, oh. I move that weekend. <laughs> I moved that weekend and I live right beside where it happens. So it took an hour and a half for us to move like a block in the car. I've never seen that many people in my life before that. It was a lot. And yeah, that's the thing when events are able to come back, just the amount of people still is like, you're all in the same place that I am. I don't understand this. I imagine you went through something similar with like Raptors championship, you know, everyone gathered like for the parades and all that kind of stuff. Now here's a tidbit people don't know. I actually chose not to cover the parade. (laughs) I know that's wild. There's way too many people. You knew it was going to be chaos. I just flew back actually from London, England, like the night before, but I was here for the parade. I was like, I'm... I'm going to sit this one out. I actually didn't even watch it until like 
maybe a year later for the anniversary, but I'm like, it's so many people. And I don't think any of us anticipated it would have been that long, but I just chose not to go. I'm like, it's too many people. And those are one of the days we're all going to get the same story. I'll let everybody enjoy that moment and not be in the way, throwing a mic in their face. What a, what a valuable lesson too, in this industry is like knowing when you're not going to have an exclusive and you don't need to bust your ass. Well, like, and I rarely say no to anything. I just knew that this is, I was so burnt out by the end of that. I actually got sick during the championship run. Like it was, you're on uh, the morning show, then you're doing stuff for radio and TV all night. And then I was still doing BBC stuff at night. So I'd be lucky if I averaged an hour of sleep a night, not complaining. It was a wonderful experience, but I got sick and I just, there was no balance and it, just took its toll. And so I knew going to the parade, I also wouldn't have enjoyed it. I was just so tired, but I took a beat. And I think that was like one of the few times in 12 years of <laughs> said no and took a moment because yeah. it was, I'm lucky. I was in the position that I could say no though. I'm really bad at saying no to stuff too. I'm someone who tends to say yes to everything. And I have certainly felt the burnout, uh, especially during the pandemic, working from home and little less separation between work and uh, home life. Zoomapaloozas all day, every day. Like, oh, hey, we'll give you 15 Zooms in an hour. You got this. Because you're in a different stage of your career now where you don't have to say yes to everything. What are the things that bring you the most joy, especially because you're picking like from sports and entertainment? I I would say I still have to say yes to everything. I don't know if I have to, but I feel that way because there's thousands of people behind me trying to get my job. And the amount of emails of people being like, they want my job or I don't deserve my job. I know I deserve my job, but it's just... I always feel like if I don't cover this, somebody else will. And then what is the point of me? And also if I don't cover this, that's not going to get played anywhere. And especially when it comes to women's sports. So I say yes to almost everything, which will sometimes make for 22 hour days. And I am not joking. And it's like, mm-hmm. I also want to do the research. I, and I don't want to ask somebody for help to do the research if they're not doing it. Cause then I'm wasting their time. They should get rewarded and do the interviews, but that is mostly my fault. Nobody's said that. Um, someone's going to actually take my job, but I feel like it's just such a small industry too, that you got to keep going at and hitting the pavement rather. But what still brings me joy is a couple of things like talking to new artists when it's their first single. Like I love Nate Holler. He's an Ontario musician that was just so excited recently at a single that just skyrocketed and just a very genuine, happy person. That's so excited to talk about like their new music and that, and that brings you joy because you know how happy they are. Yeah, he was in our top of the country with Sirius XM. Yeah. Just a wonderful person. You're just like, I hope you have all the success. So interviews like that. And then um, I really still love covering all sporting events. Like I love it. Like being able to cover the Jays run that didn't end the way people wanted. Every time I walk out onto the field, like I look around and it still just takes me back. Like, I can't believe that I'm doing this. This is great. And getting those one-on-ones with the players where they don't want to talk about their sports and just have fun. Like George Springer telling me dad jokes is just one of my favorite memories of the year. So That stuff brings me joy. When you get to have a conversation with somebody and not talk about what their field is or like their specific job or somebody that like they're just starting out because they still have that joy and that passion and the negativity of the world hasn't totally completely destroyed them. You might need a minute for this, but you have to pick your favorite sports interview and why and your favorite entertainment interview and why 
Oh, why? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, but you you knew it was coming. Come on. No, I didn't, but I like that you asked. You, like, you if I'm me. actually breaking out a sweat, everybody. I will quickly say, and I've said this so many times on air and everywhere, the one person that I want to interview still I haven't is Ricky Martin. I have loved Ricky Martin since 1999 that I own every Spanish album and tried to learn Spanish because I just think they're such a wonderful human and performer. So with that being said, my favorite sports interview of all time, uh, I'd probably still go with Magic Johnson. And that was like 10 years ago. I love basketball and the Lakers because of Magic and his personality and who he is and just how he was on the court. He's so joyful and passion and full of life and genuinely kind that would say hi to everybody in the room, remember their names. And it just made me appreciate them even more. Oh, and then music interview. Um, like Keith Richards obviously is my favorite of all time, Dolly, but I would just like to throw out like Brothers Osborne because I really love them as humans. And I love their album Skeletons that came out last year. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. They just were fun and they had no, like when you do an interview, like, you know, this, but maybe some people at home don't, you have a guideline of what you're allowed to ask. Yeah. Sometimes they didn't care. There was nothing, nothing was up. They just wanted to talk about music, talk about life, have fun. Which is hard to come by with a name as big as Brothers Osborne. Yeah. Usually like sometimes you have to sign NDAs. A lot of the times you have to, yeah. and you're told like, don't ask this, 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 or this. And it's like, well, usually I'm not going to ask about people's personal life because I don't like, I don't care. It's their life. Mm -hmm. Brothers Osborne, I just love that album. And I just wanted to talk about it. And I think they fed off that energy of me just being like, this is amazing. You shredded guitar on this song that they were just so joyful. And like one of them was a painter and they just have such a love for like family and life that that I think was one of my favorites of the last year. Cause that's what I meant. <laughs> What about an emotional interview, like an interview where it was hard almost for you to keep your composure because you were really feeling the emotions of the person you were interviewing? Oh, uh, there, over the last year, there's been a lot um, with Black Lives Matter. And like, I can't relate to it. Like if people don't know what I look like, like I'm very, very white and I'm from the middle of Saskatchewan and hearing a lot of the stories, which um like I said, I can't relate to. It's just heartbreaking that every moment of their life when they, they look at something or they wear something, they were, live in fear. And that is with multiple artists, athletes, whatever it may be. Hearing that over the last year, like, and I'm like, I felt bad. I'm like, I don't want to cry. I'm not, it's, I felt bad that I got so worked up because I, I'm not experiencing what they have to. I just wanted to make the world not such a garbage place. But then um, I, I, wasn't able to air an interview I did with a female athlete recently, but I can say um, it's because we decided after like she didn't want to air it, but just a lot of the times people know being a female athlete is not easy. The amount of hate you get for the sport you do, they were a WNBA player and like they're a star. They broke down on the interview because like no matter what I do, people always say like, oh, you don't play like this male NBA player. You're not good enough. You only make this much money or commenting on the way they look or nothing ever was just about the game even in some of their post or pre-game press conferences it was about it and they were just tired and I asked them a basketball question and they were just like thank you for asking me about my sport in this sense because sometimes like where others want to talk about it some they just want to finally be asked about their craft and they just were so tired of the constant negativity and not being told like being told you're not good enough that I 
I, I cried with them because I only in a moment feel a little bit of what they have. Cause when I air female sports stories, the amount of negativity I get on those is, you know, it's coming. And then I'm like, as an athlete, that's times like a thousand and to their face on any social media on nothing, they can't get away from it. And that's one that recently I just, I couldn't keep it together. You and I, we are white women and we have experienced privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but when George Floyd happened and, you know, looking at what, you know, colleagues and friends who are black, what they have been going through their entire lives, I found it really hard to figure out my place and what I can do and how I can eradicate racism. I know I don't have the answers. I know I play a role and I'm just curious because you sort of brought it up yourself too. Like, where did you find yourself in that moment? Even just covering a Black Lives Matter story and not having black skin. Oh yeah. It's like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is not my place, but like, as in like, I believe it should get told, of but course. who am I to talk about it? Like, I, I can't relate at all. I felt like I would never do it justice. And so there's fellow journalists that asked, like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just feel like I... I want to help. I can't believe, honestly, how is this the world that we live in? And I know coworkers of mine, they get called inappropriate names and like discussing racist stuff all the time. And that's like not new. And you try to help them. And then if somebody's around is saying like, we're sorry this happened, but it's been really hard because what I don't, I still don't know what to do. All I know is with this platform that I'm not searching somebody out for the color of their skin, but I make an effort to make sure that representation there's more of because there's just a lot of white people that voices seem to be a little bit louder so it's like if I can at all somehow use a platform I have to Mm -hmm. share other voices that have great stories and maybe make more of an effort just be more conscious of what I'm putting on air because other times I'm just like oh this is a good story we'll put it on air to make sure that all voices are heard like especially when it came to some athletes, like I just, I wasn't hearing our artists, like they just, they didn't have the big PR names behind them. So it was like, if they reached out to me in a DM and they were legit, like, let's do this. Let's, yeah. that's the only thing I need to do. I still am learning. I've read books. I've spoken to people. It's just, I don't know if anybody has the answers. Just, I know people are trying and it's the same thing at the end of the day. It's like, don't be an asshole. Be kind of, don't be racist. How is this hard people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at, you know, some of your accolades from your career here. Of course, your publicist provided me with a few notes, but, you know, I'm seeing that you've been nominated and have won a couple different Canadian Screen Awards. Uh, Is there one that means more to you than the other nomination or award or otherwise? And how do you view awards? Um, I'll be honest, uh, none of them mean more to me than the other uh, they don't really mean anything to me. I'm sorry. Like, it's great if people like awards. I just don't, it doesn't validate me at all if I get nominated for best sports inc or best entertainment reporter or best, whatever it is. Something I'd rather work on is like best community service person or best, I don't know. Like, and it's just, it also adds to too many egos in this industry and in life that I don't understand why people have them for most of the part because of what it is. But yeah, I don't care for awards at all. It, I'm not the kind of person that will have them on a shelf behind me. I like to showcase my records because that brings me great joy. But uh, I get why some people are like, I even feel weird, weird on social media. Like it is part of the job. You're supposed to post about like what you're doing and who you're interviewing. I'm like, oh man, that just feels so performative and just, 
weird that I have to get used to, but yeah, I don't care about awards at all, but congratulations to people that really like them. <laughs> You're coming up on, I'm going to say two decades of your career. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Don't be an asshole. Sorry for swearing. This industry is far too small and I didn't take it serious enough because when I was in my early twenties, I'm 35 right now, everybody don't care about age. It's just a number, but they, um, you're, you think like, Hey, you're in the middle of Saskatchewan. People are in your class from somewhere else, or you're in Calgary and people are from wherever, like you'll never see them again. And you can be really catty. It doesn't matter whatever it is. And people are mean. Like I've had people delete my scripts right before I went on air. And then it's like, you end up working with them. Like there's multiple people I work with in Toronto that have worked back out West that just were not nice people. And they like, won't acknowledge me. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like I've had my fair wrong? share of the like, how many times are you going to say nice to meet you when yeah. I know you've met me several times? And we work together on the same flipping show. And uh, so my that is it. And I anytime I speak to journalism students or just anybody that wants to get in this industry, I'm like, be nice because you're going to see somebody again. But just in general, that's not a hard rule to live by. Like, sure, things will upset you. Be nice. And if somebody has a job you want or they have an interview you want, I use it as motivation. Although I really don't care what other people do. It's like, if this makes me happy, I'm going to do it. But I don't, that's a huge thing too, is I stay off social media because back, like back in the day when Instagram and that came out, you spend so much time to see what other people are doing, but really it doesn't matter. And that took a while for me to learn. And so that's just be nice and don't care what other people are doing. And that's a hard thing for anybody in life to do mm -hmm. is not to care what other people think about you or what they're doing. Cause I think that's an ongoing battle, but I've definitely been able to kind of hone that in over the last couple of years. And my goodness, I'm way happier for it. You know, we might have to call this episode. Don't be an asshole. Yes, please do. <laughs> it connects so well with what you were saying earlier about, you know, even these huge names that you're interviewing. Keith Richards puts his pants on one leg at a time. So does Dolly Parton. So does Lindsay Dunn, your local city news reporter. Except for she hates pants so hard. So like she puts which is why she goes the lazy dress route, not because yeah. she's trying to show off some skin, but because it's basically the next best thing to sweatpants. Bam. But also it's like when you talk about how all these other people, it's like, and then like how I say, yeah, we're all just people. Like I still get excited when I meet people or get to interview them, but nothing for me is worse in this job when say you really appreciate someone's song or you really appreciate them as an athlete and they're a complete a-hole. So there's so many records that I've given away after interviewing somebody. It's like, I did not deserve to be treated like that. Or you did not need mm -hmm. to be condescending because of this. Like I had somebody say like, do you know who Paul McCartney is? Oh, like, shut up. Yeah. And so I used to have a large collection of this person's records and I just donated them. I was like, yeah, you're not getting any more of my time. And I will not interview you again if it's offered, which it has been I'm like, no, thank you. It's like, uh, so like, I, yeah. So I like to end the podcast uh, by asking you to nominate a couple of women that you think have great stories to tell that should be told here on the Women in Media podcast. Okay. So you've already had like a bunch of doozies on your show, so it's kind of hard to pick any, but uh, Kayla Alexander, uh, she played in the WNBA. She's played in Europe. She has her own like uh, entrepreneurship that she does as well. She played for Team Canada 
phenomenal human and as kind as it can be she also wrote a children's book that just is phenomenal and i think she has a great story and multiple stories to be told and a wonderful human and jessica beard is like one of the head pr people at the blue jays like she is a, a, and really kind and has so many stories about that part of the industry like i'll never see it and what then that's extremely male dominated but tons of stories there I love Christina Fernandez. If anybody's in the music industry in Canada, she's a publicist that has stories to boot and is hilarious and also loves sports. And I don't know a person who doesn't like her, but she has so many great stories that I just want everyone to hear them. And she'll be mad I said that. <laughs> she's going to be so pissed that she's nominated <laughs> because she might actually have to take me up on my invite. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being so forthcoming about your experience, good and bad in entertainment and sports. I hope that we get to meet in person, hopefully at a large sporting or music event. Uh, that would be amazing. And I'm going to wear a shirt saying I'm your number one fan. No big deal. Expect an autograph, <laughs> a selfie and all that other jazz. And we'll yell, don't be an asshole. Does Lindsay have a point or what? Why is it so hard not to be an asshole? It's such a simple piece of advice, right? But something I truly believe we could all be reminded of sometimes. So you can follow along with Lindsay's coverage of everything from the Toronto Raptors or her recent conversation with Sting. I've put links to her social accounts in the episode notes. Next up on the Women in Media podcast, a colleague of mine who I'm lucky to call a friend, Alison Dorr. She not only hosts The Breakdown on SiriusXM's Canada Talks, but she's also the founder and CEO of Howl and Roar Records, a female-centric comedy label. And finally, if you could give this podcast a follow on your social networks at Women in Media Pod and hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast service, that gets these conversations with great women into more ears and feeds. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.